Cool. Good morning, everybody. How are we? Nice. Cool. My life's good. That's good. Um, sweet. So, yeah, like is glaringly obvious, um, today um, I'm putting in uh, my little bit for the I Am series um, and Jesus' statement, I am the bread of life. Um, so, to crack right on, um, five or six years ago, um, Nellie and I were still up in Hamilton, um, and I was uh, building full-time, and Nellie was um, mumming more than full-time. <laughs> uh, we, had, we had three kids under 18 months, so you've seen our twins running around, um, so it was um, probably carnage is an appropriate word. Uh, and any, any parent would know that um, with, with parenting um, comes tiredness and fatigue um, and busyness. And any human would know that if you combine those two, then sort of stress isn't far away. Um, so this was a very stressful time uh, for us. It was pretty, um, pretty intense. And then, um, like I said, I was building full time and we wanted to maintain a one income family so that nearly could um, be home. Um, but financially that got a bit too much. So we had to do something creative um, to get out of that little pickle. Um, the end of that story is that we're here now, so that's good. Um, but the process from getting there um, was borderline stupid, I suppose. Um, <laughs> like we were already stressed and freaking out and so then we added more to it, which um, yeah, possibly wasn't clever, but the end result worked, praise God. Um, so the, that meant we had to sell our place and move down here. Our place needed to be fixed up in order to actually sell it because it wouldn't have sold. I could put money on that. Um, so that meant that whilst Nellie was still more than full-time parenting and I was full-time building, the evenings and the weekends was all just sorting all of that, plus having the three kids, um, very young kids at that. So fair to say the stress increased and with stress um, and tiredness and all of that, we get short, right? We all snap a bit more and, and maybe unintentionally or sometimes intentionally you say things that are a bit harsh and maybe not your normal character. But So that's happening, as you can expect. Um, so then, yeah, for our marriage, this was definitely hands down the hardest time um, for us in our, in our 11 years. Um, and then for me, unfortunately, um, with the boys, because of all that intensity, um, them coming along was more of a burden than a blessing. Um, and I learnt that I have a very angry side <laughs> that I, I genuinely didn't know about. Um, yeah, and then obviously mums being mums, um, that added to the tension within the marriage because her babies are... Um, and not getting treated fairly um, some of the time. So I think looking back, sorry, this might seem completely irrelevant. Um, looking back with hindsight, when I needed to be leaning into God the most, when I needed to be eating of the bread of life the most, was, was the most in my entire life where I have actually pushed away from the bread of life and rejected it. Um, and I think it's a pretty good anecdote for just humanity in general. Um, when we don't cling or lean into that or, or take of that bread, um, 
it's pretty easy to see in the wider society that it just crumbles and, and it falls apart. And it might be quick and it might be very slow, but um, it is inevitable. Um, yeah, that will seem very random, but it will make sense in a minute. <laughs> I'm still working on how to segue that smoothly, so I won't. Um, what we're talking about today is, is I am the bread of life. Um, and I wanted to start with the significance um, of the I am statement um, for two reasons. Um, the first is, obviously, it's in the seven statements, so that's pretty, pretty clear from the get-go. And the second is because... Um, Although I'm not terribly academic, I'm a bit of a geek, and I have a captive audience, so it sucks for you. Um, so, pop quiz. When is the first time in the Bible that we hear the I am statement? What story is it? Yes, no? Terrible? Hey? Nice. Bernie Bush. Good. Well played. Is that Sam? Ten points. Um, so just in case, um, Burning Bush, Moses, you know, born and raised in Egypt, he leaves, he's in Midian, he's a shepherd, he goes off to find the lost sheep, and he comes across this burning bush that isn't burning up, which is um, pretty weird in and of itself, but then it starts talking to him, um, which is neck level. Um, turns out it's God, so that's all good, but God is telling Moses, go back to Egypt and bring Israel out, and Moses doesn't want to bar of it, um, and he fights it all the way. Um, at one point, he says, well, who am I that you'd send me? Um, and God doesn't even answer the question. He just says, Echwe, Asher Echwe, which in English would be, I am that I am. 20 points. Nice. Oh, he's done it. How good. <clears throat> um, yeah, and so Moses doesn't back down, um, but you can kind of see that he's losing, or he knows he's losing. And he says, well, who shall I say has sent me? Um, and God replies, Yahweh. He has more than that, but that's the key word. So what does Yahweh mean? Anyone? Ah. <laughs> One job. Um, <laughs> he is and will be. But Hebrew, uh, um, I think like I, last time I spoke, Hebrew is way cooler um, than English. So the I am or the he is, it's like... Because God is omnipresent, right? So it's, it is, will be, and is all sort of interconnected. Um, but then you fast forward um, many years, um, and in John 8, um, we read this cool um, debate argument that Jesus is having with Pharisees or religious leaders. <clears throat> and it's pretty heated. I highly recommend you read it. It's quite fun. Um, but they're accusing him of being um, born out of wedlock and, and things like this. Um, and he calls them sons of the devil. Like he's just, boom, cutthroat. Um, anyways, the argument sort of ends, um, and they say to him, you're not even 50 years old, how could, how could you know Abraham? Um, and Jesus just replies, before Abraham, I am. Um, and for me, I know, that's like, that's like, boom. And, and it may not seem that way to you, but the way that... Um, the culture worked then, so all these Pharisees and religious leaders would have had the Torah, the first five books of our Old Testament, memorized. So for Jesus to say that um, is triggering something in their minds. They, they knew that. So just like if I was to say, I'll be back, everybody knows, you know, get to the chopper. You all know what I'm referring to, because um, that's in our, in our context. 
So for them, that was exactly the connections that Jesus was making. Um, and so, um, yeah, Jesus is a genius. He often, often does these, um, Tim Mackey calls them hyperlinks, where he will say or do something that will spark an idea or a thought um, in, in his audience at the time. Um, so another cool example of this um, is Jesus walking on the water. Um, we look at that, and I guess it was kind of a bias because we're Christians, so we already know he's God, but a modern person would look at that and think that, you know, there's power in that, there's authority in that or something. He can control the elements. Um, but what Jesus is actually doing, there's, there's a scripture in the Torah, I don't know where, and I didn't find the reference, but it says only Yahweh can tread on the waters. So even without saying anything, Jesus is explicitly telling his disciples, I am God. Um, yeah, so there's just a whole lot of uh, power in, in the way Jesus does these hyperlinks, um, and he's, he's very clever. <clears throat> right, thank you. I've unloaded. You can, you can settle. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, this series, going through the seven I am statements, it's, it's, I guess Jesus just flushing out that I am a bit more specifically um, and pushing home a few more points. So today, from this passage... Um, I wanted to touch on two things. Um, the significance of the bread, um, which again might be a bit nerdy, sorry, and then the significance or importance of trust um, and how big a role that plays uh, in what we are doing as Christians, I guess. Um, so if you want to put that next one up, Jonathan. Nice. Um, so 30,000 feet, it's, it's kind of the same, like Nick talked about the, the vine, um, I am the vine, so very, very simply put, um, if the branches aren't attached to the vine, the, 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 those branches aren't going to have the same fruit of the vine, um, you only get the fruit of God if you're abiding in the vine, so similarly, if you're not actually going to eat the bread and come to God, then, well, you're not going to be um, getting that sustenance. Uh, Timothy Keller, um, he says, when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, he says, I am God, made breakable for you. Um, and it's a very simple sentence, um, and there's probably a lot more to it, because um, he's a genius, but the two things that I kind of see from that pretty clearly is, is one, that Jesus is again saying, I'm God, he's not shying away from that at all. Um, but it's also foreshadowing his broken body um, and his crucifixion and him dying uh, for us. Um, and it seemed to stump the Jews at the time, Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. Um, but I think in our modern context, we kind of get the analogy. It's not really that complicated. Jesus isn't actually bread, and we aren't cannibals. Um, it's clearly a metaphor, nourishing our soul, um, and choosing bread like it's a, a staple food, and it obviously symbolizes being fed and provided for. Um, and this might just be my... Um, own idea, but I think you could probably argue as well that Jesus is kind of making the point that what we, what we feed ourselves is what's going to come out. Um, and I was reminded of um, Paul's advice in Philippians um, 4, 8. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Um, I'm pretty sure Jesus is such things. That's a pretty good description of him. 
Um, it's kind of like Nutri-Grain, right? You only get out what you put in. So if you want to be um, like the bread of life, then you need to be eating the bread of life, filling our, our bodies with, our souls with God's true sustenance. Um, so why bread? Why he's, he's going to say later, I was going to say he's already said it, but um, he says I am the living water too. Um, and, and like I've touched on, the obvious reason is it's a, it's a stable food, symbolising um, that provision. Um, at the Passover, another time when this, the bread is used, um, Jesus uses the Passover meal as his last supper. And he breaks the bread, which again, like Timothy Keller mentioned, um, is foreshadowing his broken body, dying for us, um, for our, our sin. Um, and it's quite a clear parallel, really. If he is the bread being broken, and then he is breaking the bread in front. Um, but just like the Exodus story where Passover begins, uh, Moses... Um, brings Israel out of Egypt into freedom, and Jesus brings all of us out of our bondage into true freedom. Um, Sammy put me on to a message from Tyler Stedden, um, and that was very cool. I'll just put that out there. Um, but as we read in verse 31, which comes just before the passage Hannah read for us, um, the crowd brings up the fact that the Moses provides manna um, in the wilderness. Um, and Jesus is quick to remind them that it wasn't Moses, but God who actually provided the manna. Um, but when Jesus feeds the 5,000, this is another one of his hyperlinks, because there were prophecies um, in the Torah that talk about the Messiah, the coming king, um, providing manna in the wilderness um, for his people, just like Moses did. Um, so this could be one of the reasons why they came back the next day, because just when Moses provided the manna, it was a daily thing. There was more manna every day. So uh, they're coming back to Jesus, this new Messiah who's going to bring manna like Moses, um, expecting the next day's worth of, of food. Um, and Jesus um, corrects that assumption. At risk of, of plagiarising Tyler's work, um, he had a really cool, and this is getting a bit nerdy again, sorry, so keep thinking caps on, um, but he has a really cool pattern in the scripture, which I haven't seen before, and I thought it was awesome, so now you have to hear it. Um, in, in John's Gospel, the story of feeding the 5,000 is followed directly by Jesus walking on the water. And then apparently, well not apparently, it's true, if you go back to Matthew... These same two stories are back-to-back, -back followed by a third one. Um, and so, feeding the 5,000, we're in Jewish territory, and Jesus is feeding mainly a group of Israelites. And uh, how many baskets were left over at the end? Hey, what? 12. 12, Sam. Sheesh, 20 points. Um, yep, 12. So, someone else, why is 12 significant? If you're thinking about Israel... Twelve tribes, nice mark. I'll give you 30 points because Sam's being greedy. Um, so the 12 tribes of Israel, that's right. So it's sort of like a, a symbol, and I'm not saying that this is what the Israelites would have heard on that day, but obviously the way it's been recorded, Jesus is, is showing that he has provision for all of Israel. Um, he is big enough for that. And then we have the walking on the water story, where without saying a word, Jesus says... I just told you. Yeah? I am. Yes, he is God. 
without saying a word, Yahweh, only Yahweh treads on the waters. And then, on the other side of the water, we're now in Gentile territory, and Jesus does almost the same miracle. He feeds 4,000 people, mainly Gentiles, and how many baskets are left over? Seven. Nice. Good work. Um, I didn't know that. So. Um, so there are two reasons, two reasons why seven is important in this context. Can anybody tell me one of them? Yeah, no, nice. That was Nelly's answer last night. Um, yep, so seven days. So seven in the Hebrew context is, is the perfect number, right? It's completion. And there's a second reason in this context that seven is used for. I have no idea. So the seven cities of the Gentiles. So like we read in the, the book of the Revelation, the seven churches. So in that context, seven is all of the Gentiles. So in Tyler's words, you have this sandwich which literally has bread on either side with God in the middle and God is providing for all of Israel and all of the Gentiles. Um, I just thought that, so now you have to hear it. Um, I'm just going to read this again. Hannah did a great job, but why not? Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So trust. Uh, we all trust in something, or many things, really. Um, but how many times, I hope it's not just me, do we, like it says in verse 36, do we see and yet not believe? Um, I think like, like Vicky mentioned, we get a bit of churchianity in some of our Christianese sayings. We, they kind of water off a duck's back. We're so familiar with them that they, they lose their potency. Um, and yeah, I struggle with this, uh, if I'm honest. I, I believe things and in, in, like genuinely believe them and I will base my life um, on them. But do I really trust what I'm believing in? Um, I know Jesus hears my prayers, I know he does. Um, but then why when I come to him in the quiet does it feel like he's not hearing me or, or saying anything? Um, hopefully I'm not the only one who feels that also. Um, as much as I'm, it's kind of embarrassing to admit, <laughs> I do believe in principle but I don't necessarily trust it. I f often feel like the man um, speaking to Jesus who says, I do believe but help me with my unbelief. Uh, John Mark Comer, who Nick is the number one fanboy of, um, in a sermon when he was at Bridgetown, um, he talks about trust um, and how we all trust, but in different things and, and to certain extents. Um, we have beliefs that we could be persuaded away from or convinced of otherwise, uh, like favourite foods or sports teams or whatever. But it could also be um, bigger things, like things that you would base your life on. Um, so from a personal experience in the last five or six, seven years, 
um, my theology has changed quite considerably. So values that are held here and beliefs that I trusted in here possibly have to be violated because of what I now believe and hold to. So it's, it's not something light and something that was just petty like a meal, your favorite meal. Um, but now that you compare it with the, the new belief, you, know, you can still be persuaded otherwise for heavy, heavier beliefs is, is the point I'm trying to make there. Um, but then John Mark goes to talk about um, a thing that he calls uh, core beliefs. Um, and these are beliefs that cannot be violated. Um, so the example he uses is gravity. Um, I think we can all agree, hopefully, that uh, a healthy person um, without any protection or reward, in some cases, wouldn't jump off a cliff or the roof of a building um, because their core belief in gravity is that it will, <laughs> it will end in, in pain. And we can believe that and we can trust that. Um, we can trust that gravity is going to do its job. <clears throat> but do we believe with that same unshakable conviction that Jesus will provide all of our needs? Do we believe with that same conviction that Jesus has our best interest at heart? Do we believe with that same conviction that no matter what we're going through, or whatever trials we face, that Jesus has got it sorted. Um, because that is what he's promising. Um, even if the answer is on the other side of the grave, in some cases. Now the message translation, um, the same passage, the end of it. This is what my father wants, that anyone who sees the son and trusts who he is and what he does, and then aligns with him, will enter real life, eternal life. Um, like I've already said, I, I hold this belief to be true, but I don't think I hold it with the same core belief as I have in gravity. Um, I'm not proud of that, but it's true. Um, and this is where an eternal perspective is so crucial, um, to look at the bigger picture. Paul, the apostle, often says, we don't enter eternity when we die, but we're already living in it. Um, so what we think of as the end is really only, only part way through, um, which is hard for our brains to come to terms with, um, especially with facing something big like a terminal illness or, or something. But Jesus says, those who try to gain their life will lose it, but those who lose their life for my sake gain it. And that's exactly the point. Um, I know this doesn't affect my salvation, um, but it does affect my relationship with Jesus. Um, and I really like what Amy shared last week, actually. Um, talking about when in winter, the sun doesn't feel as close, or it doesn't feel like it comes out. Um, and we have the same, sort of like a spiritual winter, right? We, we might fall off the wagon or slip away. Um, but when we pick ourselves up and we come back, um, Amy was saying how he's not upset that we went away or that we rejected him, but he's excited to have us back. Um, and so going back to my little Hamilton story, um, when I was at my lowest point and pushing God away the most I ever have, um, I still don't know what the trigger was, but um, I started listening to worship music, almost like I knew I had to do something, and I didn't know what to do, so just start putting worship music on, painting away, at least small hours, whatever, 
and that turned into sermons and podcasts and things and and God really used that like he I, I turned to him somehow and all I knew what to do and he didn't say oh finally where have you been um, he he just used it um, and from that period which was my lowest point um, he relit a fire in me and he just put this passion in me and, and literally from, from those moments is why I'm now here doing, well, trying to do uh, sermons in, in church. That was never a thing. Um, but from that sort of, I feel silly saying rock bottom because people go through a lot worse, but from that low point, um, like Amy said, God, God was excited to have me back and he, he used it to, to fan the flame, I guess. Um, God loves you no matter what you're going through. Um, he doesn't love you more if you're more intentional. Um, he doesn't love you any more if you spend lots of time in his presence. Um, but the more that you can trust him and the more that you can let go of your own life and your own flesh desires, the more rewarding your life becomes. Um, real life. Life to the fullest. Um, at one point, Jesus is rebuking the Jewish leaders and he says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness to me, yet you refuse to come to me and have life. Um, sure, I'm not alone, but I need to be reminded of this too. It's not enough to learn about God, um, but to lean into God. Um, Nellie and I have been watching the Chosen series. Is anybody who's watching it... Are you, are you up to date? I don't need to do any spoiler alerts. Cool, sweet. Um, I was really um, struck by, which is weird for me, Sam and Nick, no. I'm not particularly emotional, so for me to get moved by something is weird. Um, <laughs> I'm still getting used to that idea. Um, I realise there's a lot of creative licence in, in the Chosen stories, right? They, they put a whole lot of stuff in between to tie the scriptures together. Um, which I think, I think is very clever. Um, but there's this particular scene um, on the last episode where Jesus is walking on the water. And Simon, as he does in, in the Chosen series anyway, is having a big rant and he's getting angry at Jesus. And Jesus just says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And just like, um, just like me, probably just like you, um, you hear it, yeah, but you're doing it on your own and you've got it sorted so you don't really hear it. Um, your ears get it, but your brain and heart doesn't. Um, and Simon's there in the waves and he's starting to freak out and he's panicking. And Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And Simon starts sinking and Jesus just looks him and it's a close-up because it's real dramatic. And he says, come to me. And it was, I know it wasn't the real Jesus. <laughs> But it was like he said it to me. It was just, it, I don't know, it hit me. And, and I immediately, and I don't know if Nelly remembers this, but I turned to Nelly and I said, that's going in my sermon. <laughs> I hadn't actually started writing it at that point. Um, and I love it because in, as in the scriptures that Hannah read for us, Jesus is saying, come to me. Um, believe in me. Um, and how often do I need to hear that? Um, you know, we come to church and we sing the songs and we pray and we pr practice for Nongatanga. 
and live a good Christian life, um, which are good or great things. But do we really come to Jesus? Do we really come to Jesus? Um, okay, they notice I'm practicing the way up before. Um, and this is why they're leading us, Nick and Amy, through this, um, these spiritual disciplines. The overall aim is to be with Jesus, to be like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did. And the more we saturate ourselves in Jesus, the more we will learn to trust him like gravity. The more we seek his face, the more he's going to reveal it to us. The more we see him as the bread of life, the more we will eat from him and he will satisfy our eternal longings. Um, I have a friend who did a New Zealand TED talk and he had a cool little catchphrase. Um, it was, familiarity breeds confidence. It's a hard word to say. The more you practice something, the more second nature it becomes. Uh, the more subconscious it becomes. Uh, the more fluent you get at that particular thing. Imagine if we could be fluent in Jesus. Because uh, that's what he's inviting us to. When he says, I am the bread of life, whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me, him, <laughs> shall never thirst. He's not just saying, come be a Christian um, and be a nice person who loves people. He's saying, come to me with all you are, come to me with all you have, and trust in me for everything. Like I said before, um, I could quote Jesus-y things, um, and I could help you out of a pickle if you were in one, and encourage you towards Christ. But when it's happening to me, I'm just like Peter from the Chosen series, right? We, when life is rough, you hear the words, but they don't get in. Um, Instead of taking of the bread, you don't even necessarily have to eat something else, but you just starve. I think in my Hamilton illustration, that's, that's what I was doing. It was, it was just starving. But even today, I just need Jesus to grab my shoulders, to get my attention, and say, you hunger because you haven't truly come to me. You believe, and that's great. You share me with others, wonderful. But come to me. Eat. I think it was an ex-pastor in Canada who said you can't look at a menu and talk about the menu and share the menu with your friends and then wonder why you're hungry. Um, you need to eat. And as the scripture says, taste and see that the Lord is good. So as we go from here, let's not just share the menu but eat the bread. Let us as a community work together to know the great I am, to make him and his promises core beliefs that cannot be violated. Let us come to the bread of life, so even if we go hungry here on earth, we shall be filled to overflowing as we live in eternity now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you um, for your love for us. I thank you that even when we're not trusting you, you are the faithful God who will still lean into us 
and guide us and provide for us. I thank you, Lord, that you are the bread of life. And you provide the needs for everybody, Lord, not just the chosen few, but everybody. And Lord, I pray that you would help us collectively as a family, but also individually to come to know you, Father. Really know you and come to you, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, wow.